ChatGPT, AI machines, satellite, engine ignition, click here, and lift off. Jennifer Lynn Walker has a surprising preoccupation. She gets obsessed with the security of industrial facilities. I just kind of, uh, I say, fell into it. But um, so I was a late bloomer in at call in college. She dabbled in computers, information um, systems management, and then technology stuff. And I just kind of found uh, an affinity for the cybersecurity. So this is you know going on you know twenty three, twenty four years now. So you're like a, a cybersecurity early adopter. Yeah, it was definitely. I've always I've always been an early adopter in any of the cyber things. Did the malware analysis thing before that was really a thing. Cyber threat intel before that was a thing. In fact, she'd tell you she's become a bit of an evangelist about it. Welcome back to the Cybersecurity Evangelist. I'm Jennifer Lynn Walker, your host and evangelist. That's her cybersecurity podcast. We added the music. She's now the director of cyber defense at something called the Water Information Sharing and Analysis Center, known as Water ISAC for short. It's essentially an industry association that helps water treatment facilities work on their cybersecurity. I am watching threats and uh, vulnerabilities across the water and wastewater sector. I should probably pull up our mission statement. <laughs> so when the news broke of a big hack over the Thanksgiving holiday? This morning, a cyber group is taking credit for breaching a water treatment plant in Pennsylvania. Her mind went into overdrive. What happened? Um, Thinking. Was this targeted? You know, what's being targeted? said? And how is, is there being... anything else going on? The target was a small treatment facility about 18 miles northwest of Pittsburgh. So tell me about the Aliquippa Water Authority. <laughs> um, Aliquippa. I mean, it's a small water utility. It's in Beaver County, uh, Pennsylvania, you know, it, and it serves about 15,000 people. That is small, but it doesn't matter how big or how small you are. It's, it's what you have and data and or um, devices. In other words... A lot of the time, these attacks aren't about how big a plant is or even where it's located. Instead, it's about who makes the systems they're running, what kind of software they're using, what industrial control system is making the whole operation run. Pumps and machinery and components that run the water plant. And those thoughts are coming through, you know, at light speed. Because Jennifer works on these kinds of problems for the water ISAC, she got pulled in to help. And before she knew it, she was in a Zoom meeting with a bunch of state and federal officials, with the manager of Aliquippa talking them through what had happened. The general manager received a, a phone call from an operator. They had gotten an alert. And the alert said that one of the devices that allowed the plant to monitor water pressure remotely was now flashing a strange message on its screen. He didn't use the term defacement, but it had a message on it that said that it was from the Cyber Avengers. The Cyber Avengers. It's an Iranian hacktivist group. And their message made clear why they had chosen to target this obscure, tiny little water facility. The message said, Anything that was made in Israel, any components that were made in Israel, they were going to target these.
I'm Dina Temple-Rest, and this is Click Here, a podcast about all things cyber and intelligence. We tell true stories about the people making and breaking our digital world. And today, we look at a new wave of political activism in cyberspace, initially inspired by the Russian invasion of Ukraine and now fueled by the war in Gaza. Hacktivist groups aren't just cracking into systems to steal things or hold them ransom. They're attacking targets to make a political point. Stay with us. If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily from Recorded Future News. It serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to therecord.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox. Hello, I'm Adam Fleming from the Global Story podcast from the BBC World Service. We are looking at Lena Khan, the face of the US government's battle to regulate big tech. She's already redefined the way we talk about monopolies. Now she's taking on the likes of Amazon and Meta. But who is she? And will she win? The Global Story brings you fresh takes and smart perspectives from BBC journalists around the world. Find us wherever you get your BBC podcasts. There's something about hacking water treatment plants that feels like a bad Hollywood movie. Oh, Christ. Gonna need some more FBI guys, I guess. It just seems more sinister than your average cyber attack because the thing they're attacking is the thing we need to stay alive. The FBI and Secret Service cyber units are investigating the hacking of the municipal water supply system hacking in Pinellas County, Florida. Investigators are trying to hunt down the person who tried to poison a public water supply. A treatment plant that serves parts of the San Francisco Bay Area. And to do damage to a water facility, what the bad guys crack into is the industrial computer systems that control them. Often something known as a programmable logic controller, or PLC. They're used to monitor and run various operations in the water treatment process, things like chemical additives, flow control, water pressure. You know, at any given time, if the pressure is too high, it could break pipes or, you know, that could lead to other issues. If it's too low, then, you know, you wouldn't get water to your, um, to your community. We talk a lot about hackers who launch cyber attacks using some coded weapon they've built, malware they've put together, or a backdoor that they've created. The Cyber Avengers hack on the water treatment plant wasn't like that. All they appear to have done is scan the internet looking for people who were using the factory defaults on a particular kind of programmable controller. They wanted to find any PLC made by a company named Unitronics. Unitronics is a public company with a strong international presence in more than 60 countries. And what made them focus on this one particular company? Well, Cyber Avengers is linked to Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. So perhaps it's no surprise that they targeted Unitronics not because of the systems it used, but because of where it was based, in Israel. And the Cyber Avengers are all about hacking Israel. Israel. 
You could be forgiven for never having heard of the Cyber Avengers. They've only been around since 2020. Though they're linked to the Iranian government, they don't appear particularly skilled in the dark arts of hacking. Their primary mission seems to be just to stir the pot, to make political points. And maybe, because they are more lucky than good, they lie a lot. On October 29th, for example, they posted a promotional countdown video on Telegram. The group said it would be unveiling one of the greatest cyber attacks on Israel infrastructure ever. And then the next day, they claimed to have infiltrated 10 water treatment facilities there. They posted information they claimed they'd exfiltrated from the plants. But none of it was true. What they did instead, about a month later, is go after those water treatment plants in Pennsylvania. And it turns out finding their targets was child's play. All they had to do is use a search engine to find companies using Unitronics controllers. That was um, easily discoverable um, through open sources. They scan the internet and look for people who had this particular thing, right? Exactly. And then, once they'd identified the Unitronics PLCs, they looked for the ones that still had the factory presets in place. And in particular, the factory default password, which was, and this is now public, the very complicated numerical combination of 1111. When the manufacturer ships the device just like they would ship your thermostat or your connected truck or, you know, truck toy right. or something like that. And that's, and that's the part where they say in the instructions, please change the password and someone doesn't. Absolutely, yes. So it was really something as simple as that? It was really something as simple as that. That's crazy. It turns out that the Aliquippa water plant wasn't the only facility running Unitronics PLCs with a default password. When we come back, the hackers are taking aim not just at the more obvious targets, like water treatment plants, but also places you wouldn't expect and why some cybersecurity experts are worried that Iran is stepping up its hacking game. Stay with us. Politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. This is from an open mic night at the Full Pint Beer. It's a brewery located about half an hour from the Aliquippa water treatment facility. And good beer here. Great tip your servers well. Full Pint was also hacked by the Cyber Avengers, which just seems so random. Water treatment facility? Sure, that makes sense. But a local craft brewery known for trivia nights and live music? This is a song that I 
that my sister and I wrote in 1994. Turns out this unassuming local bar, unbeknownst to them, had tiptoed into a global political fight. Breweries obviously need water, and thus water controllers. And you guessed it, they had the Unitronics PLC in their system. And when the folks at Full Pint came to find out that they'd been attacked by some kind of political hacktivist trying to get even with Israel, they seemed sort of bemused. They didn't want to talk to us on the record about it, but they did make the hack public on their Facebook page. Ugh, their message begins. The brewery control system received a cyber attack over the weekend. We're working to restore things to working order. Thank goodness for backups. They helpfully included a picture of the Cyber Avengers message. You've been hacked, it reads, down with Israel. And then they basically said in broken English that they believed anything made in Israel was a legitimate target. I asked Jennifer if she saw any deeper meaning in the fact that the Cyber Avengers had decided to target both water and beer. I knew it just had nothing more to do than, um, you know, what the, uh, the fact that they were running the same type of component. Right. So if it was a pretzel factory, too, it might be a conspiracy. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> I mean, no water, no beer. Why? I mean, no pretzels. <laughs> It was almost as if the Cyber Avengers were sending not just a political message, but an I love the Simpsons message, too. Looks like there's beer coming out of the chimney. I am proceeding on foot, calling a code eight. We need pretzels. Repeat, pretzels. According to cybersecurity firm Sentinel-1, the Cyber Avengers Unitronics campaign didn't make much of a splash because there weren't that many devices for them to exploit. Sentinel-1 did a search of controllers and came up with just about 1,800 Unitronics PLCs that were connected to the internet and reachable globally. And about 280 of them were the kind in use at the Municipal Water Authority of Aliquippa. There was the potential for a lot of other industries to get mixed up in this. The Unitronics controllers are used in energy, food, and healthcare manufacturing, so it could have been much worse. Though Jennifer Lynn Walker said it isn't just a Unitronics problem. Literally any system that's on a network could be vulnerable. Uh, but the message is, don't stop at Unitronics. Look at the other devices. Check all of your PLCs, especially the ones that are connected to the internet, and Remove them from the internet if you really don't need them to be connected. Iranian hackers have been waging these kinds of shadowy cyber attacks against Israel for years. There are literally dozens of Iranian hacker groups with names like Karma or Muddy Waters, with apologies to the Chicago Blues. What appears to have changed isn't the multitude of hacking groups. It's how they're showing signs of sophistication. While the Cyber Avengers so far have been relatively harmless, there are many groups that have done real damage, and increasingly so. And few people have watched this as closely as Gil Messing. He's the chief of staff at a cybersecurity company called Checkpoint. So let me just ask you, how long have you been sort of tracking Iranian threat actors? When have we not? 
Iran is probably the most prominent uh, cyber offensive player in the region and one of the biggest in the world. But Gil says over the past two years, Iranian hackers have been changing. They're cracking into security cameras in Israel and stepping up their regional espionage operations. You could see them mostly in government agencies or ministries. You could see them in areas or uh, companies which host large amounts of data. And they're starting to deploy malware that is leaps and bounds better than what they used to have in the past. They have malware that doesn't just infiltrate networks, but actually maps them out too, which can help if you're planning a future attack. They've also found ways to customize it so they can steal huge amounts of data and leave hardly a trace. And Gil, for his part, says he thinks he knows why this is happening now. Ukraine has turned out to be a testbed. The war in Ukraine was um, a greenhouse for many cyber trends. Ukraine's IT army codified the use of activist hackers. They recruited IT professionals from around the world and then encouraged them to hack Russia. Whatever happens in one war is being imitated and to some extent um, improved in a different war. We're learning from this as what we call referring cyber defenders, but hackers are also learning from this as well. And you could see in their forums that they're sharing information and they're sharing experiences and they're sharing capabilities. They're doing all these things. And while Ukrainian hacktivists didn't have any epic hacks, U.S. officials say they did something almost as important. They kept Russia's hackers on the back foot, defending instead of attacking. And that's certainly happening now in Israel as hacker groups backed by Iran or Hamas or Hezbollah attack both Israel and its allies in ways both big and small. There is one hacking group in particular that he's been focused on. Now the most prominent one is called Cyber Tufan. Cyber Tufan. Back in November, it made a name for itself by hacking into an Israeli website hosting service called Signature IT. It stores, among other things, the Israel State Archives and dozens of the nation's retailers. Cyber Tufan hackers shut many of the sites down. Think of um, an Israeli version of Home Depot that for uh, over a weekend didn't have a website for uh, online shopping, which is quite significant. The group then posted the names, email addresses, and personal information of millions of Israeli customers on Telegram. The list of victims were very, very large. And then Cyber Tufan published a kind of manifesto, a decree on why they had chosen to hack the companies they hacked, to ensure that no one thought it was random. Why it's so important in Israel, why, we, why they attacked them, and also to link it to specific actions that happened in the war. When Cyber Tufan threatened to leak data of an Israeli medical company, it posted something on Telegram that said it was retribution for a very specific thing. We attacked this medical company, they said, because Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and IDF forces had, quote, bombed our hospitals. Sometimes the hacks are more personal and even sinister. After Hamas stormed the border with Israel and took hundreds of hostages back to Gaza in October, the group then took aim at the families of the hostages. They sent them a text message, a designated text message, saying, Hi, we have captured your son or daughter. If you want to communicate with them, press this link. 
write here your name, your email, and the message you want to send them and click here. But if they clicked, they didn't connect with their loved ones. Instead, it would download malware to their phones. If you would click it, then you could see that this was another way to basically exfiltrate information from the people who were victims of this attack. And how much after the kidnapping did that happen? Uh, about a month. Gill said it's the details here that make the effort remarkable. It means that cyber tufan hackers know the personal phone numbers of individuals. They could connect specific family members to specific hostages. And that takes a lot of preparation and legwork. Not the most sophisticated thing we've seen, but the level of details, the level of also of cruelness in a way, this is something which is um, most alarming to me. So as, 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 you know, as experts in cybersecurity, this is not the most advanced cybersecurity cyber attack we've seen. But on a human level, that's pretty harsh. And Gil says this is only the beginning. The Russian invasion of Ukraine is seen as the world's first truly hybrid war in which cyber weapons have been wielded right alongside more traditional ones. So we've only just started to understand what a hybrid war actually looks like. And I'm sure that in the next war, then somebody else will learn from the lessons of this war and try to be better and, and greater. Just before the Christmas holidays, a hacking group called Predatory Sparrow claimed responsibility for a hack that hit 70% of the gas stations in Iran. They said they broke into the station's payment system software and their servers. In a statement released in both Persian and English, the group said the hack was in retaliation for the cyber attacks Iran and its proxies have launched against Israel since October 7th. Predatory Sparrow is believed to be linked to Israeli military intelligence. This is Click Here. Here are some of the top cyber and intelligence stories of the past week. A regulatory filing from the Fincantieri Marine Group, a U.S. arm of an Italian shipbuilding company, confirmed that an April ransomware attack caused widespread production issues. The company built ships for the U.S. Navy, and the attack apparently disrupted the servers that fed information to manufacturing machines responsible for welding and cutting in their production line. The company said that disruption was temporary. Now the company has told regulators in Maine that some 17,000 people associated with the company had personal information leaked, including their names and their social security numbers. The company said it would provide victims with two years of free credit monitoring services. The British Library, with its archive of millions of books and manuscripts, is only just beginning to restore access to its online catalog following a ransomware attack last October. A Russian-speaking ransomware group called Rysida took responsibility for the attack, and some of the library's personnel data has shown up for sale in the dark web. But it is the online catalog, which is used by researchers around the world, that has created the most lasting effect. And even now, the only way to see the rarest books, maps, journals, and music scores held in the library's archives is online. The system for taking those objects into reading rooms is not yet running again. 
And finally, Lush, the British cosmetic retailer, is responding to a cybersecurity incident, according to a company spokesperson. The company didn't provide details on what had happened, but it follows what is almost certainly a record year for ransomware attacks against UK companies. According to a statement sent to Recorded Future News, Lush said that it was working with external IT forensic specialists to undertake a comprehensive investigation. Click Here is a production of Recorded Future News. Dina Temple-Raston is our host and the managing editor of the show. Sean Powers and me, Jade Abdul-Malik, produce it. Karen Duffin and Lou Kowski are our editors, and Lucas Riley is our staff writer. Darren Ancrum does our fact-checking, and Ben Livingston wrote the theme music and other original music you heard. We also use music from Blue Dot Sessions. Megan Goff is our staff illustrator. That's it for this week. We'll be back on Tuesday. Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to the record.media.